Let's have a game of guess the number. Shall we quick have a guess the number? Okay. You start, Ian. Do you want me to say it aloud? <laughs> guess the number. No. I'm guessing it. I'm Correct. Doing, I'm, think, I'm thinking it. I was playing think the number. Oh, no, think no, of no, a no, number. No, I was playing ball. think the number. We don't have think rights. The number. Sorry, we don't have rights to think the number. We better That was another on. double act. I'm thinking of another letter. Three. That's it. Very good. Okay. For the purpose of not turning the microphone on, can we reintroduce what we were saying at the beginning slightly and who we are with? And then I'll cut it in and make it sound... Oh, like I see. Oh, OK. Shenanigans. Right. OK. Um, Shenanigans. Welcome to the Dredgeland Podcast Spectacular. Interview, it's a f- interview Spectacular. Welcome to the Dredgeland Interview Podcast... Dredgeland Podcast in- Interview Spectacular. spectacular. We're here with my favourite broadcaster... Andy Harland. I bet you say that to all the uh, broadcasters. He does. And, and Ian Lee. You. So, yeah, I mean, maybe, can you describe your show for anyone who hasn't heard it? Just for the, oh. the, the, the listeners. What would you, how would you describe it? In three words. <laughs> or over. We tend not to rely on the lazy, phone-in things that other phone-in shows do. So Brexit and, and Muslims and immigrants and um, America. America, stuff like that. It's easy and it's It's lazy. easy and Almost. it's pointless. And, I, you know, people can go and listen to Five Live or, or, or LBC and um, listen to that rubbish. No, no disrespect to those people. Actually, it's quite disrespectful. Um, they do excellent jobs. Um, is that three words? Have I done three <laughs> words yet? How many have yes, I got left? that's three. That is yes, three. that's three. That's this week's three words with Ian Lee. And is, that, is this like a, a format that you've deliberately decided on? Have you have you sort of uh, arrived at it after a long time? Is this what, we, what you always wanted to do in terms of a show? Or? I don't know the answer to that question! I've got it here. <laughs> um, let me have a look at it. No. Um, it's kind of... Do you know what? I'm in a really privileged position in that at the moment I have um, bosses who let me do what I want to do. It hasn't always been that way and it won't always be that way and it might change while I'm here, I I, I don't know. But it's been an evolution. If you follow from the LB, you know, the XFM stuff to the LBC to Absolute and then the the, the BBC local radio where it completely changed for, how long was I there for? Four Years and for the first two years, it was, it was a straight, pretty much a straight BBC breakfast show until um, I kind of realized that actually I could play around with it. But then I've taken a load of skills that I learned from there and put into this. But if I analyze it, it sounds wank. So tell us about the origins of Performance Ring. Mm. Oh, Performance Ring? Because <laughs> we, we know a little bit about that. Tiny bit, we know about 12 minutes about you, that. You invented the term wheelbarrowing. <laughs> well, I mean, it's now well, a word. That's now in the Oxford English. Uh, well, Performance Ring is an offshoot of Film Ring, which was named by a racist. <laughs> Who was that? Jonathan. Thank you. Would you. I don't think we'd better expand on that guy. <laughs> okay, don't, you don't want to bring him into your world, that's fine. But he, he named Film Ring, which was where I would, you know, watch a, a, an obscure documentary and it would it would send shivers down my spine and I'd then say to everyone, you've got a week to watch this and we're going to get the director and all the star of it on. Kung Fu Elliot, the first one? Kung Fu Elliot was the first one, yeah. yes. I came to that. Um, it was good that night, wasn't it? It was all right. It was one of the funniest nights... I think I've ever been to. Mm. I, mean, I, I genuinely think that. I couldn't believe how funny that film was. Um, I mean, it, I, it, I took about 30 minutes of it out. It needed a lot of tightening up to make it funny. Um, I, I, I don't see how we can do another film ring live because that one was that one was so perfect with the surprise of having um, uh, Blake as a guest and then the surprise of actually having Kung Fu Elliot himself. I don't see, I just don't think we could top that no. as, a, as a live event. So we probably won't. But then Performance Ring 
came about because of Jim the Dancer. <laughs> Jim, the like dancer. Was Jim, Jim the Dancer. Jim the Dancer from South London? Um, yeah. Jim, from, so who was this chap? Um, Jim the Dancer is one, another one. Jim the Dancer used to call Ian Collins, I think. I first heard him. Uh, there's a video of me. I went, I went to meet Jim the Dancer and do a dance with him. It's brilliant. Well, I said brilliant. Uh, um, but he phoned up because his mate, he'd been in touch with me on Facebook because his mate, whose name I forget, it's either Charlie or Dennis, something like that, and I'm really sorry I've forgotten it, who used to let him use his shed to go and film these videos. He died. And Jim, um, I make up, is quite a lonely man. And he took this, you know, this was like his, his closest friend, maybe his only friend, and he took it very, very hard. Um, and we chatted a little bit on Facebook about it. And then he phoned up the show and said that he was kind of, you know, he, he was going to comedy clubs and doing his dance as part of a comedy routine, or that was his act. And I said, oh, we should build a night around you. Let's do a variety night. Let's do, let's, I don't know how quickly we came to the performance thing. I think that took a while. But it was because years ago, I used to do a thing called Set the Agenda as well. What was that? That was uh, when I was absolute. And it was a variety night. But it was like proper acts. And I would book all these acts and we would get a pub in London and 100 people would come and we'd have a magician and we'd have a harpist and we'd have a singer and we'd have a couple of stand-ups. And they were all proper acts. And it was fun, but it was quite hard work to organise. And then we, so then we've just organised this night where it's, it's you lot, it's listeners who are the turns. And we're kind of keeping pretty true. Not proper acts. So <laughs> <laughs> you two, were, you two were hilarious. It I mean, a lot of people came to see the wheelbarrowing. The wheelbarrowing. Not us. The wheelbarrowing. <laughs> I mean, that was an amazing night for we, me. It was, it was extraordinary, wasn't it? But it was about the energy. The room had energy. People wanted to be there and enjoy it. And it's a safe but, space to perform. It's a safe space as audience. Well, that's that's the, that's the thing. Is it's I, I don't want it to be a competition. That's yeah. why I'm not calling it a talent night. Or you know, I don't want it. There's no element of well, you came first and you came second. Right. Sorry, everyone else. Right. I don't want any of that shit. And you know, there were pe- a couple of people who, who who didn't do as well that night as they would have liked to have done. But there, at no point was anyone going get off your shit. Yeah. It was everyone was willing each other on, and a, 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 a lot of people I genuinely think could come because I kept saying we've got a stand up, we've got a singer, we've got some short films, and we're gonna have a man pushing a wheelbarrow across the stage, and that was kind of my, and that what you did, that sentence, a man pushing a wheelbarrow across the stage, sums up the evening for me, sums up what I want it to be. I want it to be anything and I like stand-ups and I like people coming up and singing a couple of songs and stuff but mixed in between that is going to be your nonsense and nonsense in the you know the 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 greatest possible sense you know as I sent you an email viva silliness you you don't get people being stupid anymore you know except except in America guys but you don't get people going uh, doing acts that are silly I, I completely agree I think there's a real there's no risk in TV, radio. No, there's there's very limited risk in you know even even online, so to speak. And yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't go to comedy nights anymore, and I never was never really a big fan. I'm not a fan of those nights where it's twelve stand-ups yeah. on, and you just oh god, it's kind of quite tedious. It, it can it can be just I like, and also I like it when acts don't work in a kind of not in a in a gloating way, but I kind of think. Because of what you said, because on radio and TV, everything, there is nothing dangerous in inverted commas anymore. Nothing can fail on TV. Nothing fails on radio anymore. Everything is um, prepped and scripted and goes through so many committees that everything on TV will will be, you know, decent. And yet you go to a night where people are prepared to, in a room full of 100 people, take a punt on yeah. something that might not work. 
brilliant. That's that's like that's a unique energy that you can only get in something like that. And as long as the audience is aware of the risk that the people are taking, um, and they're not there to laugh. And they're not there to point and go, that guy was shit. Did you see that? That was awful. As long as they're not there for that. Mm. I mean, they may say that when they go home. I don't know and I don't care. But as long as in that room, everybody wants that one person, that those two people on the stage to do the very, very best they can, then that's kind of what it is for me. And you don't get that. I, 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 you've done stand-up, haven't you? We've done stand-up, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's competitive. It's a lonely business. Yeah. yeah. It's a solitary thing. It is. You've done stand-up. Yeah, I did it and I hated it. And I never fit in with, fitted in with the stand-ups. I mean, when I first did it years and years ago, 20, 20 years ago, and it, was, it brought out kind of the worst in me. And I'd see people that I didn't think were very good storming it. Or mm. I remember... After I've been doing it for a few months, someone came in and said, well, I've just signed off. I can make enough now from doing stand-up. I remember thinking, but you're shit. You're shit. And it's a re that's a really unpleasant trait yeah. of me to have. But that's what that environment did. It's all very, uh, you were fucking brilliant. You were brilliant. And as soon as he's gone, he was shit. What? You know, it's that. Mm, mm, I hate all that. Mm, mm. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. But I found it a very toxic environment. Well, like I said, that's the complete opposite of what this evening is. Performance Ring is not about that it's about enjoyment it's about the moment and it's mm. about people bringing to others something to share mm. I think so I'm glad you I'm glad you think that and I'm glad you uh, uh, you know you you were one of the hits of the evening I mean, we can, it was brilliant it, I mean what was interesting was that the audience seemed to want to get involved with it that was interesting oh they me. were they were heckling you in, yeah. in, you know in a good way and yeah, shouting yeah, you and yeah. cheering you on and John, nice. John 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 and it was just um I thought what you did was hilarious, you know. I just thought it just, it was so it's, stupid. Was, there was something sort of, you know, magical about that night. It sounded a bit odd and wanky, but, you know, some things, a lot of that was improvised. Yeah, on the day. So we didn't know, yeah, on the day. <laughs> yeah. So we, did, we really, did, half of it, we didn't know we, we were going to do. Yeah. That. And, uh, but that actually communicated quite well. Yeah. To the audience, because there was something to do with the spontaneity of it. And you came on, you were just spontaneous, just saying whatever yeah. you felt like. And there was a spontaneity about that that work well Kath was really worried about what are we going to do what are we going to do I said we haven't got to do anything we'll go up if worst comes to worst we'll have a game of iPod roulette that was going to be our backup is if we're, if we're struggling a bit and we need, we'll have but then once we got there I realised I'd booked probably too many acts more acts than was required so I knew we didn't have a problem with, with filling time um, and it was just kind of relaxing in there and going right well that was A and now here comes B it'll be interesting to see if it keeps that vibe going we're doing one in December and we've got one booked in February can you tell us anything about the acts or do you like keeping that quiet no I um, December I've, I've, a couple have just dropped out so I've got um, when, now when is the, there's a guy eating custard but I don't know if that's December or February he's going to come on surely and eat custard. he should be walking on it <laughs> it's a non-metallic fluid it can be walked on uh, I will if he drops out I am putting it out there I will walk on a, a bath <laughs> of custard well you can maybe walk on it after he's eaten it. No, hang on, I've that'll be wrong. Him, I've sent you loads of weird things I love it. picked up on, which I'm quite glad about, actually. Because <laughs> one was firing a horse into the audience. Yeah, so yeah. I'm glad he didn't pick yep. up on that. Good. Thanks, John. Um, I think we've got someone's going to come and play Conkers. Good. Ah, uh, oh, yes, I, I did see that. Yep. Um, we've got... Um, Conkers ring. Yeah. We've got... We got uh, um, oh, we got a woman going to play a saw. Proper oh, old-fashioned yeah. variety. That's variety. This, this young lady got in touch and said, you probably won't be interested in this, but I've just, I've just, oh, I'm just, i just learning to play the saw. I went, oh, ho, ho. That is... 
exactly what we're after. Bring back Music Hall variety. Yeah. Bring it back. Bring back Roy. Is Roy Hudd still alive? Yes. Yes, good. he is. Yes, he is. Yeah. Just. Good man. Good man. He was good. We're good Roy Hudd, didn't he? The news headlines. Do you think radio is the best medium? Depends what for. Mm. Depends. I, I find it the easiest one to work in because I think I get it and because it's instant and if you mess up you come back the next day and you do another one you try not to mess up um, whereas TV I, I I was never myself on TV really I was always um, the 11 o'clock show me was what they wanted me to be they wanted me to be, me to be a you know a Chris Morris knockoff Um so I did that and was was very grateful to do it. But uh, it was uh, I hadn't been doing stand up particularly long, and so I hadn't found my voice, and so I didn't know who I was. And so after the eleven o'clock show, I carried on being that character, which is quite mean and and, and quite nasty. And um, it, I, I don't think I've ever really been me on TV. And you are you on radio now? I'm I'm more me. I'm a slightly heightened version of me. I'm more me. I mean, it's pretty honest. I mean, me and Kath are trying to come up with a... Tonight's show, right, everyone's expecting me to come on and slag off Trump. And so I said to Kath, give me a convincing argument I can put forward for why Trump being president is brilliant. And she says, I can't think of one. So no, you think of one, because I want to come on and say that Trump being president is the best thing that could happen because... <laughs> And so tonight, we might go against the grain and, and kind of put on a bit of an act, a little bit. But I don't know if I can pull it off, you know. If you, if Do you, you like making things difficult for yourself? Yeah. Oh, I love it. When I used to do stand-up, my favourite thing was, if it was going well, which wasn't particularly often, but if it was going well, I liked to sabotage it to make it go badly. <laughs> so then I had to kind of, then I could bring turn it, it round. Turn again. it back around again. <laughs> a real perverse, perverse thing. I was very never, dark, very dark. You're, you're going to see Robin Ince soon. I was, I, he'll tell you, I was never, I had a couple of lucky gigs, but I was never really a stand-up. It was always a means to an end. But do I like making things difficult for myself? Yeah, because if I didn't, if I made things easier for myself, I'd be rich. You know, I'd be doing... I started out a little bit before Dermot O'Leary and about the same time as Vernon Kay. And I look at them and I do kind of think, if I'd have learned to keep my mouth shut <laughs> and not be so gobby and not... If I'd learned to keep my mouth shut, I could be a millionaire. Helicopter. Hosting shit, you know, hosting bland stuff, but I could be a millionaire. You know, and I never learned to shut up, and that was um, that was my downfall, and that's why I got the boot from the BBC because I didn't learn to shut up, and you know, it's why I, why I will get the boot from here because I can't shut up, and it's true. You know, I'm learning it a bit, but um, yeah, I look back on my career as a series of um, a long series of mistakes and regrets. But you, but you work here at the moment. I mean, yes, yeah, so I'm working long, here at the moment. Yes, you're <laughs> still. We can confirm as of now. I've got still here. Over, I've still got over a year left on my contract, guys. So, uh, but, but, but listenership's up. Yeah, look, I mean, rocketing. I mean, well, rocketing, really? okay. rocketing right. from a standstill position. But they have to go up. <laughs> they, well, <laughs> but you're still like number three in the podcast chart or something. No, we dropped up. No, no, we dropped right down. Don't, don't, go. don't bring up no, the podcast never chart. Mention never mention numbers. Mentions. We're about number. We're, last time I looked, we're about number sixty in the podcast yeah. chart. But the podcast does really well. We get um, oh, we get about 
between it varies really wildly between six and ten thousand downloads a day which is brilliant which is which i'm very uh i'm very happy with so um i've gone on maudlin now have you yeah i've gone Why? Maudlin. Well, what's maudlin about that that's great Ah, uh, yeah. What's going on? This is I'm good. Your no, figures are skyrocketing. Why? Why the modelling? The, the iTunes is down. The iTunes what is, is down. I'm I'm worrying about Dermot O'Leary now. We're not worrying. <laughs> not worrying about him. He's happy. He's fine. All right. He's going to be okay. But no one. Surely nobody cares about Dermot O'Leary, do they? He does. I couldn't give a toss about him. Not, I don't want to listen to no, him. No, I know. But when I'm sat at home, on you know, in in my pants, in my bed. With a big mortgage and stuff, thinking, oh, Dermot O'Leary isn't. Dermot O'Leary's got trousers on. <laughs> Dermot O'Leary's got trousers on. Damn your O'Leary and your trousers. We're quoting you on that, I'm afraid. That yeah. is a, a, a second quote. But I wouldn't it. listen to his radio show because to me it's just like, or oh, watch him on television. Oh, he's a nice, you know, he's a nice guy. Dermot is a very, very nice it's guy. Different things to different people. Yeah. Stop. That's how it is, you know. But I guess you so. you are in quite a sort of lucky position, not lucky, privileged position in a way because you can say what you like mm. and people are supportive. Of oh you yeah, yeah, yeah. That. And that's but that's maybe why people connect with what you do you know because it they can tell you're being honest i had a lot of people i did i've done a few podcasts with people recently i did oh, the adam box bloody podcasts. bloody podcasts. and um he loads of people got in touch after the adam buxton one saying oh, i thought you were a tosser but now i think you're quite nice and uh, i suppose if you want to hear what i sound like then this is what i sound like and the adam buxton is what i sound like this is more me do you notice the difference between this and what I am? I'm like on the radio, or maybe you don't. Why? Maybe well, I'm. I, no, I understand. I do Hyper analysing it, but people think I was a tosser. Now they love me, and that's great. So if we could turn that back around, yes. The next twenty but that, minutes. But that's, but that's yes. partly because you weren't doing anything honest on television, yep. perhaps. Yep. And you are being yourself on radio, like Danny Baker sort of thing. I mean, yep. I really love Danny Baker like yourself. He's brilliant, isn't he? Yeah. On the radio, he's himself. I didn't really get it when he was on the telly so much. As did I send I... you all the TV shows? Yeah, and but you liked that actually, didn't you? Yeah, you I did like that. that. I've not watched. You know, I've not watched them actually. I need to. I need to. I uh, keep forgetting. In fact, you played the drums up. for Danny yeah, Baker. Yeah. Hold, yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, Hold on a minute. I mean, yeah. I've not played the drums for Danny Baker. Also. No, you're both drummers. Is that right? You're well, both... I'm not a drummer, as you can tell from watching that clip. It was at the filming of the Danny Baker show. Uh, I was 21. I was at college. Me and my mate Conan had gone there for a night out, and at the end, he said, "Right, we haven't got an ending. Can anyone play the drums?" And this woman got up. And they had Delamitri's drum kit, and she went and sat down, and she oh, went, nice. she went. Oh, actually, I can't play it. Oh, he went. Oh, bloody hell! Right, it was a recorded show, so they said, "Goes right." Can anyone play? The, anyone else play the drums? And I went, "Yep." And I couldn't. We had a drum kit in, the, in our shared house, but all I could do was straight eights, and I can't do the pedal. And so we said, and I thought, well, and suddenly I'm stood next. To, it's on YouTube. Suddenly I'm stood next to Danny Baker, and he gives me the drumsticks, and I, he waves me over to the the drums, and there's 500 people in the audience. I'm in. Fucking hell. And I do a really terrible <laughs> fill and then straight eights. And if you watch carefully, I smack myself in the nice. eye as well with the... Uh, with I thought the you stick. were in a band. Yeah, playing bass. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's the big laugh. There There's you go. The there it is. We got there. Who have you interviewed recently you thought that was a brilliant interview? Mike Love. Mike Love of the Beach Boys. Well, I've been trying to get Mike Love for years. And I'd written a piece in the Record Collector saying um, that I think Mike Love is brilliant and he's completely, you know, people, everyone hates him. Everyone hates him. And I hated him for a while. There's a bootleg recording I have of Brian Wilson playing Smile at the Royal Festival Hall. It's either the second or the third night he played it. And as the band are being introduced, I, you can hear me standing up and shouting, I was 
pissed as anything. Who needs Mike Love? And the guy said security. Is that no, no. The, the guy, <laughs> Jeffrey Foskett, laughed and the whole uh, Royal Festival Hall applauded me. And I felt I was Barry Big Bollocks. <laughs> now I think I think that's awful. I think Mike Love is, is one of the most misunderstood people in rock and roll. And um, we got him on the show and he was delightful. And I had lots of people get in touch afterwards, three, saying, um, oh, that's really changed my opinion of him. I thought he'd be a tosser, but actually he's a really nice man. So that that... Is job done. One of the first interviews I listened to was the chap from the Bare Naked Ladies. We, yeah, yeah, we were yeah, hanging yeah, out. Yeah, we were I doing a podcast and you went to the gig. I went to you the gig. The, the, the Stephen Page thing Stephen in the park. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was it good? Page in the park. It was Page nuts. In the park. So yeah. I, it was brilliant. I mean, I, I, I saw the video. Known, would not have known about that had I not listened to yeah. the show. I wouldn't have even thought of going to I it. I was up, up in Edinburgh that weekend. I'd have been there. It was, the video looked brilliant. He turned up, you know, there was a Canadian flag on the ground or something that some of the uh, audience had brought along so everyone knew where to go. Brilliant. That's brilliant. And he played a gig. And this guy, I mean, Bare Naked Ladies. Okay, some people will laugh at them. I happen to think they're absolutely brilliant but he's sold literally sold millions of records you know and in his time has played arenas and stuff and he rocked up at a park to play for what how many people there 30 people something like that brilliant we might be putting one of his songs out two of his songs out as a single next year that's the plan this is your label so can you tell us a little bit about your label 7arecords.com it's mainly monkey stuff but we uh, we might be putting a Stephen Page record out for record store day but he's cutting it really fine we need um, we need his songs and the contracts by we need it by the middle of December Steve otherwise it ain't gonna happen man we're gonna miss the deadline he doesn't listen to this no oh (laughs) You said that you're a fringe act. Yes. Once. Oh, did Could I? you expand on that? Yes, I'm a hairdresser. Um, <laughs> when, did, when did I say that? Cheers, lads. For, 40, 40, <laughs> days 40 days ago. 40 days ago. Um, I said I've always uh, been a fringe act. I'm, oh, in the, I'm never going to be mainstream. Uh, and and, and, and uh, 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 there's a brilliant... John Ronson, I read a brilliant interview with him, or a piece he'd written... Um, him and Adam Buxton were both at the Sony Awards a few years ago and the, both of them didn't win and they went out for a cigarette or for a breath of fresh air or whatever and um, John kind of said to Adam, Adam, wh- why didn't we win? We're better than those. And Adam said, well, John, people like us never win. And I really identified with that. I've since won a Sony Award, so I can't... I oh, might I but I identify with that, you know, the, and I'm not in any way saying I'm anywhere near as clever or as good as John Ronson and Adam Buxton. I think they're, you know, they're, they're, they're wonderful. But um, I'm, 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 I'm never going to get the big numbers, you know. I'm never going to get the millions of people. I'm never, you know, I was always the least popular bit on the 11 o'clock show. And um, my show is never going to get the figures that he, you know, that a Julia Hartley Brewer will get. You know, she figures are figures are amazing, and and mine are minuscule in comparison. You know, but, you, but you've chosen the the late night slot. Oh, I chose this slot. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think this is the best slot it's to brilliant. be on the air. It's the best slot. What's wrong with the other slots? Um, breakfast. There's too much uh, attention on you, and if you're, you, you know, you've really got to get those figures up for for breakfast, and if you don't get it up, then you're in big trouble. Um, uh, drive time. It's too newsy. You've got to do the new stuff, and you've constantly got to travel every 15 minutes, so you've got no time to get a momentum going. Um, 7 till 10 is just a tough slot, man, because everyone's watching telly, so no one's going to phone in. Um, no, nighttime is, nighttime is the one. Genuinely, when I came and had the meeting here, I said I wanted to do this, and they said, what about breakfast or drive? I said, I don't want it. I want to do nighttime. Because there's the pressure's off. You've got more time. I can sit and chat with Dean mm. Torrance from Jan and Dean for half an hour. You know, I can do all of this kind of left of mainstream stuff 
and get away with it. And do you, do you no think one cares. you've got that space for creativity there? Yeah. And is creativity something you really value and and, and explore? Because I, I, I'm fascinated by creativity. I value it. Uh, I, 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 do I explore it? Um, do, you, do you have the room? Do you have the space if you need to to explore it within this role? Yes. Which is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned the show where I didn't talk for an hour. And um, I tried to do it at LBC years ago and it didn't work. The presenterless show, it didn't work. It was, a, it was a terrible car crash and it's been bugging me ever since, like 10 years, 11 years. It's been bugging me ever since. And so to be, be able to find, and I'd worked out what I did wrong and how to do it. And I did it, you know, a couple of months ago. And that, um, let me put on, no, no, it's not pretentious because I mean it. That was art. That hour was 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 performance art, you know, and I was conducting it. And Kath was in the studio with me and I was conducting the callers and all, and it was, you know, that... Um, that was special. No one fucking heard it, you know. No, one, no one's going to hear it. You know? it's, it's not going to. People aren't going to go. Hey, that was brilliant. That hour you did, you know. But um, it was good. Do you think? Do you think radio is a very difficult game to get into? Particularly now, more than ever. I wouldn't know. I got into it. Well, I got into it because I was doing stand up, and I had a, an agent that kind of got me this little gig in a local radio thing. But that the the, the real way I got into it permanently was because I was on TV yeah. and in the early you know turn of the century radio people were being really lazy and were grabbing people from the TV going hey you can do TV you must be able to do radio and most of them couldn't and I couldn't to start with but I was lucky that I kept getting more and more chances to do it and kind of um, finally learn how to do it. So people say, how, have you got any advice now to get on radio? I haven't got a clue because I went about it a totally ridiculous made up way so I don't, I don't I wouldn't have a clue how to get into radio when you started did you feel like this is something I'm going to do now for no. like the rest of my life no or? no when I started radio I didn't like it I didn't, didn't like it I didn't either. like it I didn't want to do what it what was the matter with it um, well when I did the local radio I thought it was really naff and then when I was doing the, um, the XFM was the first job I got after I'd been on telly I didn't want to do it it didn't pay very well and it was it was boring and it was stupid and you had to play all these rubbish records and they kept they wanted me to do the breakfast show and I kept they couldn't understand that I didn't want to do it I was just doing it because it was 200 quid on a Sunday evening I think it was you don't get music radio is that right I don't understand it I've st I'm starting to understand it I listen I listen to six music a bit now and um, 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 Maconi and Radcliffe I, I I get it, but if I'm starting to get it, I'm trying to make myself get it. They're the only ones I get musically. Because if I want to listen to music, I've got an iPod and I'll put it on shuffle. I don't want to listen to. That's why I listen to your show. Yeah, I don't want to listen to an hour, you know an hour of shit music when I'm driving. Oh. Now Radcliffe and McConey, it turns out, play some music that I quite like, and they also play some awful music. But I can sit through the awful music to get to the stuff that I like, and so I'm trying to make myself listen to it so I can try and understand music radio but it still feels a bit cheesy and a bit naff and but when did you suddenly decide okay I like talk radio actually this is what I feel comfortable oh, I always, well in terms of listening I've always listened to it you know I used to listen to Clive Ball when I was I suppose about 13, 14, 15 but um, it was at LBC and it would have been in uh, what year was Rise? Um, I'm trying to think. Hang on, 2000. Was it 2004? I think I started LBC, and um, I was really lucky that they, you know, I had a couple of cool bosses who um, let me go on and learn and make all my mistakes. And LBC of all places, mm. imagine that now, Jesus! I got Brian Hayes the sack. I replaced Brian Hayes. They booted him, him off. <laughs> they booted him off to give me the gig. You know, it was nuts. Friday and Saturday and Sunday night. 
or just I mean, Saturday I've listened Sunday. to some of the you know stuff online from that time. Mm. I mean, some of it is just so funny. It's incredible. Because I didn't know what the rules were. I didn't know. I didn't know that you weren't supposed to do stuff and you were supposed to do other stuff. And so and me and my producer, Agent Chris, who now produces Nick Ferrari, would just go in with the most... And I, I, I can't even get myself into that mindset anymore, but we just go in with the most ridiculous ideas. What was great was LBC had been going for years and David Lloyd gave me the job because the audience was old Jewish women and they were dying. He said, we need to get a younger audience. So we would go in and, and really subvert what phone in radio was you know we go in and say someone reminded me yesterday we did a thing um saying that kids at the age of 13 should be made to smoke <laughs> and i can't remember what the argument was but we had we had a fairly <laughs> solid argument and people were furious people were phoning furious or oh, we should close down all libraries and turn them into blockbusters and that, and that, <laughs> that pissed off anna rayburn she got she was furious with that and because it was in the environment of lbc I mean, I couldn't do that now because people know the acts, but it, it, because it was framed in LBC in between, you know, like Anna Rayburn's show and a legal phone-in, people <laughs> took it at face value and, and would, would get furious and stuff. And um, um, What sort of mindset are you in now with your, your current show, if, if there is one? What I do is I go, I'll go upstairs and I'll go through all the papers and I'll list about 20 stories from the papers. And most, it, most nights I won't touch them, but that, they're really good to have if there is a technical thing or we don't get any calls or my brain freezes, I can go, oh, well, there's this thing on page 15 of the mirror about um, if you own a cat, you're, you're going to live 10 years longer. So I have them and they're kind of like my backup. No, it's not true. Um, and then also underneath that, I'll jot three lines of like um, just stuff that's happened that day. And then open the mics and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, so you're very spontaneous. Your whole yeah. act is spontaneous. Yeah. Doesn't it's really exhausting? Yeah. Again, talk about making self diff things difficult for myself. It'll be so much easier to just go in with anything, to go in with a guest for each mm. half hour and do whatever. And I don't. And it's it's fucking exhausting, man. It's tiring. Obviously, the relationship with, with Kath and and the production of the show that's been quite, a, you know, the relationship's been quite a while. Yeah. It's, she's absolutely. I've only Kath's met brilliant. Once, but she's brilliant. I've know, been blessed with three brilliant producers in my career. I've had some ones that we didn't. I didn't get on with quite so well. But I've had three that got it. One was Agent Chris LBC. One was Eloise at Absolute, who texted me tonight, actually. I must get back to her. And uh, the other one is Kath. And um, they they get it. They get it. They get the act. They get when they should um, leave me alone. They get when they should they should interrupt. They get when they should move me on. Um, and, uh, yeah, Kath is easily the best. Uh, you know, I've, she's the most appropriate for the moment, I think. You know, we get on brilliantly, yeah. And that's a, you know, that dynamic comes across. I think it's really important. You've got to have a team. Yeah. That you know, and I've had with I've had. Okay, we had when I was absolute before Eloise. I had a producer called Davis, and we didn't really get on. And what, once I had Frank Sidebottom in, and not everyone gets Frank Sidebottom <laughs> right. And as Frank was doing his piece, and I was pissing myself laughing, I looked at Davis, and Davis just went, "This is shit," <laughs> from behind the glass, and I thought, right, even if you think that. Don't say that when the act is here. He couldn't see it. Frank couldn't see anything with his head on. But don't say that when the act is here. Mm. And and well, we had a big argument. Oh, I just said that's you know that's that's completely counteractive to any spontaneity we might have had. You totally killed it there. So that was um, fun. I need to go and do the radio show, gentlemen. Buy me. Okay. Well, um, great rehearsal, guys. Let's go for one. Ian, what can I say except you know your show? I listen to it almost every night, and it's like nothing else, and I really enjoy it. And it's introduced me to a lot of things I wouldn't have otherwise known about. 
The Streak by Ray Stevens. I knew about that okay. already. Okay. Jan Torrance, I didn't know anything about. Whatever his name was, Dean Torrance, sorry. Wow, look at that. Look at that. Uh, you've changed your tune, Sunshine. No, you've right. changed your you know, tune. It's always learning. There's always something interesting, always something fascinating, always something engaging about it. And um, where thank can we you find for it? Thank that's, you for sparing the us the time. No, we have to find out where. Where, well, do you where exist? and when? You can type Ian Lee, I A I N L W E, into Acast and Pocketcast and iTunes, and the podcast comes up. Or talkradio.co.uk, weeknights, 10 p.m. till 1 a.m. Thank you, guys.